Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. listen. Now, live from Chicago, the Hal Sparks radio program mega worldwide. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. Hal Sparks, actor, comedian, and multimedia personality. And I'm all out of bubble. Hal Sparks. All right, let's do this. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Chicago. Happy birthday to you. That's right. In 1837, folks, on this very day, the city of Chicago became the city of Chicago instead of that big pile of stinky onions that everybody used to point at and laugh. Yes, congratulations, Chicago. Looks like you've made it. And it's, uh, and what a wild, wild ride it's been. You don't look a, a, yeah, you don't look a day over Blade Runner. So, um, (laughs) that's true. So, uh, March 4th, 1837, Chicago becomes a city. And, uh, and sometime this spring, it, or or, sorry, sometime, I would say, in spring of 2020, it ceased to be. Much like Portland. Rip Portland. <laughs> Goodbye, Portland. There is no more Portland. Um, the cities have all been burned down. According to Donald Trump, you can't walk down the street anywhere in Chicago without getting no. hit in the head with a bat. And look, again, I'm not here to yuck anybody's yum. If that's your idea of a good time, beats a sharp stick in the eye, I suppose. Uh, yes. then, I, then I go, there I go kink shaming again, Johnny. There I go. Don't do it. I'm not going to do it. Um, and, uh, but, but apparently, you know, we, I, it's, we, we miss you, Chicago. You've fallen so long ago. Um, and, and don't go to your window and look outside and I don't know, what's the weather like today, Johnny there? What's it's it's pretty nice. Yeah. See, I don't believe you. I think you live in a crater (laughs) and, uh, and they're just demons crawling out all over the place that look like the creatures from, uh, from, uh, live, die, repeat edge of tomorrow. And uh, nothing can nothing can convince me otherwise. I love um, that movie. I do too. It's it's the best uh, sci-fi film of the last thirty years, hands down. So uh, I, you were t- by the way before we came on the air and good morning everybody welcome to the show. Johnny was telling me about the new extreme song and you're just gonna have yeah, to put up Nuno with it. Was, Nuno was very um, he's very moved by Eddie Van Halen's passing and. Right? He felt inspired that somebody has got to keep putting guitar fire out there. Not that he's the one to take the throne, but he feels he feels a responsibility. So his solo on the new single is unreal. That's great. But and and I will say uh, I I think I played no small part in that inspiration. S- considering because that single you was murdered recorded. Eddie Van Halen. No, oh. I no. Oh, that's terrible. No, because. Extreme watched Nerd Halen at Monsters on the Mountain before that song was written, recorded, and released. Nice. Just before. Recently. In between the time. I'm just saying. And if they it weren't the for you, the- there would be no extreme music. That's right. Yes, I'm personally responsible for all music that's considered <laughs> extreme. And extreme I would like to apologize. Especially of Cradle of Filth. Yes, exactly. I want to apologize for all uh, corpse paint Norwegian death metal. It was a mistake. Um, hey, look, even God made fleas. Everybody makes a mistake once in a while. I, I kid the death metal people. 
go ahead and whatever, eat the brains of your lead singer, whatever the hell you guys do to be legit. Don't do that. Don't no, whatever you no. do, don't do that. No, but all right. I think that so, actually did happen, didn't it? Uh, all right, we've gotten it out of the way, Johnny Million, and we've gotten to the point where um, we recognize that uh, you know I've been I've been wrong before, um, you know. However, on a you know on a minor level, and uh, I've actually I suppose uh, we can go back to just me being right about everything. Yeah, there's no one time you were mistaken, but you actually weren't turned mistaken. Out to be, you thought you were no, mistaken. Yeah, that's right. I was under the impression that I was mistaken, and yet I was not. Um, and that happens as well. Um, and by the way, welcome chat room at infotainmentwars.com or twitch.tv slash Sparks, whatever your poison is, or on Facebook. Hi, Facebook people. Patreon.com slash Sparks sports show. That's my help Facebook me, uh, Help me feed Johnny Million. That's what we need to do. So we're trying to get... Like, at, thanks to everybody here. It's really got to be only sparklers. And I am now an official Twitch affiliate. Oh, that's nice. That's great. Which means you can sell uh, Twitch Amway products at little that's right. coffee classes. I suppose you're wondering why I brought you all here today. That's right. Yeah. Let me show you a dish you can burp. Um, so uh, this is the um, – that's not one of our dishes. Laura. Um, so let's go back. Let's go right back. If we Let's take the Wayback Machine to when I was – when everyone was panicking – and I, as I am wont to do, was telling everybody to cool out because the uh, the demise of democracy and the fall of, I guess, the, the, the structure of our government because of the Kevin McCarthy, uh, you know, schlocktober takeover of the um, of of the House uh, and the the fear of these, I guess, committees that they were going to put, they're going to just grind the business of the people's house to a, a, a halt. Nothing will get through. And it will all just be investigations after investigations. And it's going to just tarnish the president. That's what I was president. afraid of. I'm not going to lie. And, and and what was I telling you? Was I, I was kind of grinning and laughing a bit and going, oh, you... That's adorable. You told me I was a no-good-for-nothing dum-dum. That... That wasn't related to this, though. Oh, that, that wasn't about nothing. that. No, yeah, no, that was, was a totally else. separate issue. Yeah, you know that, right? Um, and again, an area and where you're I right. Was right. Yeah. In that yeah. particular arena, it's a very narrow <laughs> sliver because the rest of you is magic. I just want to say, <laughs> um, every big old thing you do is magic. Every little thing you do is a no good for nothing dumb dumb. Anyway, so um, <laughs> so so, so what's um, really going what, on? One of the one, you know, obviously, uh, I suppose they're eventually going to get around to investigating the hard drive that Rudy Giuliani bought in Ukraine from Russians before the end of Trump's reign and uh, and brought it back labeled laptop. And everybody calls it a laptop. Um, and, and, you know, eventually, I suppose they'll get around to that. And, and uh the problem that they're having is that the contents of the entire thing have been available for three years and people have been pouring through it like lunatics and they haven't found anything that points to a real crime. Well, guess what? That's what? a trend because the, uh, the big, like the, I, I, I suppose, well, I, yeah, the big primary one that the Republicans were like clamoring for the committee that they were putting together headed by Jim Jordan, the, the, Committee on the Weaponization of the Federal Government. 
<laughs> yeah, that didn't Where, go as planned. Oh, it's still well. It's technically ongoing. It just it, it just hit a snag mid February, mm-hmm. and they're gonna get it back together. You know, whenever um, the the Democrats after the deposition. I'm sorry, the super of, chats are insane right now. How just are they? About, how Vickery sends oh. a super chat to buy me groceries? <laughs> this should be for some groceries. Oh, that's so sweet. It will I can buy at least five eggs of that. Uh, five eggs. Um, actually, the price of eggs is going down. That's another yep. thing we could talk about, largely because the chickens are no longer dying in mass. But, all right, stay, keep on topic, darn it, because we, we've Sorry. got a lot to talk about today. And I've only got two minutes before the break comes, and I'm trying to set up a thought. So, um, Jim Jordan, who famous, famously has never seen a disgusting crime that he... Well, he's never seen one. He just kind of, if he, if it happens, he just turns his back and pretends he hasn't seen it. Um, is in charge of this weaponization of the federal government. And this is, this is a broad and far-reaching church committee-like uh, gathering, gaggle, that is supposed to address all the areas where Democrats and and the derp state have uh, attacked <laughs> have attacked conservatives and violated their freedoms, and uh, from from the Jan Six attack and the fact that apparently the FBI investigated people that beat cops and and uh, brought guns and uh, yeah. Confederate flags and built a gallows and all that stuff. Apparently, the FBI looked into that because those people said leading up to it that they were going to killed Nancy Pelosi and other people, tried to do it, failed, and then said in court, if I had another chance, I'd do it again. Apparently, that's 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 a, a bridge too far for the Republicans. <laughs> that's not the way you're supposed to work that plea? Well, apparently not. Um, it doesn't work very well. Um, apparently, that's the one area where cash bail doesn't end, and that's what they're upset about, it seems. And, then, and all the way from that to the Twitter files, the idea that... The campaign of Joe Biden, by requesting that non-consensual nudes of his son be taken down, in keeping with the terms of service of Twitter, because they're not supposed to be up there anyways. There's not supposed to be any non-consensual nudes of anybody on Twitter. They just went, Ed, do you mind? And, And in some cases, not all cases, but most cases, they took them down. Whereas Trump threatened Twitter with being shut down from the office of the presidency, mm-hmm. th- threatened to sick the full force of the federal government on Twitter if they allowed Chrissy Teigen's insult of him to remain up. But it's the Bidens and the Democrats that are weaponizing a government, which, by the way, in terms of Biden and the campaign, were weaponizing a government they weren't even in. They were not. Biden was a a private citizen running for office when all this happened. Meanwhile, Donald Trump from behind the desk in the Oval Office is ordering a private company to do things or he's going to sick the government on them. It's amazing. The Democrats brought the receipts. Mm -hmm. By the way, for the record. Uh, Matt Taibbi, unfortunately, it would seem in Chicago, uh, our, the Chicago reader was always the, the primary source for unleashing this reality on people. 
is kind of a scumbag and uh, is a nasty, nasty, disgusting human being. And on top of that, uh, over a while, he he tried to rehab himself by writing about issues I think we can all agree on, like, uh, you know, how bad Abu Ghraib was and those kind of things. Okay. But largely as a front so that he could eventually, I guess, set himself up as the personal stenographer of a lunatic billionaire who who heard somebody say, you know, you could solve homelessness in this country with $10 billion and decided to buy Twitter with four times that amount of money and blame Democrats for what's happening on the street. So, um, yeah, right. Yeah, just nasty. I mean, I'm birds of a feather. But anyways, um, the Twitter files themselves, the biggest, like, dud of the Twitter files has been that even in and amongst the Twitter files, Taibi and his cohorts have had to admit multiple times that there was no there there. That there there is always, whether it's you know tweet number seven in whatever run they do, where it says there were also lots of instances where the FBI or the government or the Biden campaign or the Trump White House asked Twitter to do something, and Twitter said, meh, they didn't do it. Yeah. They just said no, or they went, we'll get around to it, and they never did, which means there was no force. And force would be the thing that would be largely unethical and and certainly a violation of people's rights uh, if the government tried to do that kind of overreach. And they never actually got to that because Twitter always could say no. If they didn't think it violated their TOS, they could say, now we're leaving it up. That means they were always acting independently on the free speech rights of the people that run the company and make decisions for the company because they've been hired to do just that. Guess what? Jim Jordan's uh, weaponization committee is running into exactly the same problem with their three non-whistleblower, whistleblower uh, prime witnesses. And the Dems released a 300-page report that yours (laughs) truly has been tearing through for the last 48 hours. And I got some nuggets from that when we come back. It's the House Parks Radio Program, Mega Worldwide on WCPD Radio, Chicago's Progressive Talk, Patreon.com slash House Parks. Support the show. Help us out. Also, Super Chats. Uh, I mean, it's going to be hard to top Hal Vickery, but everybody's welcome to try. We're looking for one psychotic whale to just kind of, you know, I don't know, drop a will in there, and then nobody has to Super Chat ever again. But until that point, we need your help. We'll be back. A whale? Mm Mm-hmm. You're locked into the House Sparks Radio Program, Mega Worldwide. Okay, so one of the things that Republicans have been bristling against for quite some time, Johnny Million, is this whole whistleblower thing. Trump got his, uh, uh, you know, unfortunately somebody blew the whistle on him repeatedly, um, uh, and he's never gotten it over it. Multiple people, by the way, uh, were blowing the whistle on him, and it and Trump seems to think that he's surrounded by by spies and and turncoats, double agents, sure. as it were. And the reason he thinks this is because he hires people who like him and and think he's amazing and think he's exactly what the country needs. And then they hang out with him for a while, get a look at what he's doing, read some of the evidence against him, and suddenly they're like, Dear Lord, this man is a creep, and we need to keep him away from the levers of power as best we can. And suddenly that means that they were formal. They're probably were always a Democrat. Yeah, they're always a spy. Yeah. Yes, exactly. It couldn't possibly be that 
someone recognized after barely knowing him and knowing sort of the mythology of Trump, right? That it, it couldn't be that they went, oh, you're actually He's awful. awful. Yeah. You're a you're a nasty, disgusting man. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and quite frankly, um, the, and by the way, Philip Itner will be joining us in the second hour today from uh, from Kiev. Lots going on there, certainly around Bakhmut. And there was a missile slash drone strike inside Moscow. Source oh, unknown, but a big story. We will be talking about that in the next hour. It's a huge deal. But the. Yours truly, you can see on the live stream, has been going through this 300-page document from uh, the Democrats, which, by the way, is a hilarious read because it has it has it is it is peppered with absolutely businesslike, completely um, you know appropriate language that has this lovely hint of sarcasm. Throughout, there's like, really? it's like a, it's like, it's like when somebody puts cinnamon on your hot cocoa. You know what I mean? It's just there, <laughs> yeah, yeah. not necessarily in the cocoa itself. It's just that dusting on the top, and it, but, but you can, you take a little sip, and you know it's there. It's, it's that throughout. And one of my favorite parts of it is that they literally start the thing off. They're addressing three particular uh, fellows that came in and were interviewed. Um, uh, the, George Hill, Garrett O'Boyle, and uh, Stephen Friend, and uh, which I, no relation to Lewis, who is apparently a patient of Doctor Lecter's. Um, <laughs> Lewis Friend, uh, yeah. It's it's not miss getting home miss with me. the rest of me. One. You know, uh, like um, Lewis Friend is the name I think he gives. Um, Jamie Gum in when he's talking to the senator, and senator love the suit. Mm. Remember, like yeah, um, said his name was Lewis Friend, but may have lied. That's all I okay. remember now. Wow, Mom. right? Wow, you always yeah. go deep, hell. I do. It's true. Um, and when I can't, I'll scrape the hell out of the sides. Now, when uh, these they brought, we have heard nothing from Jim Jordan except. The, the whistleblower upon whistleblower, the phrase he uses repeatedly when he's on Fox News and other places are is dozens and dozens. There's a stampede of whistleblowers coming to talk to Jim Jordan to tell him uh, to tattletale on how the FBI was mean, mean, mean to the January 6th defendants. Now, we haven't seen this dozens and dozens. We just have to trust them. And Matt Gates announced at CPAC uh, yesterday that he thinks Democrats should be removed from the committee because he thinks by pointing out that their uh, their whistleblowers don't have a whistle and aren't indeed blowing, um, that they should be removed from the committee because they're obstructing the investigation by pointing out that there isn't one and there's no there there. So yeah. the right out of the gate – they, they address these three guys, and they effectively say none of what they're saying qualifies as whistleblowing. Like there is they, – they, none, of, none of them have any special knowledge of any decision that was made contrary to ethical rules within the FBI. None of them even make allegations of illegality. Um, they – 
a lot of it, if you read it, it's pretty great because a lot of their testimony reads like a really bad Jerry Seinfeld bit. <laughs> what is the deal with the FBI? Why are they even yeah. looking at these people? I mean, do you even look? Right. That, like, it's just like, like riffing on this idea that it's not necessarily that they did anything wrong. It's just that these guys think <laughs> your anagrams are showing, Clarice. Actually, it's the other way around. Your anagrams are showing, Doctor. Somebody in the chat swapped out the characters, and I can't take it. Anyways, yeah. so um, so these are the thing. Okay, um, the the here's the federal qualifications. In case you ever want to be a whistleblower, here's what it okay. entails. Federal law only protects FBI employees from retaliation when they make claims that they, quote, reasonably believe. And that's obviously a big problem with these guys because they they have a lot of unreasonable beliefs, as you will see. Um, Provide evidence ah, of any violation of law, rule, regulation or be gross mismanagement, gross waste of funds and abuse of authority or substantial and specific danger to public health or safety. None of the three witnesses interviewed to date comes close to meeting that determination. George Hill retired from the Boston field office as a supervisory intelligence analyst in October 21, not a field agent, just a guy who, you know, they, you know, they parse through papers essentially. Um, I mean, it's good work and necessary, but right. He claimed to have learned that a financial institution, Oh dear God, provided the FBI with evidence it believed may be relevant to the January 6th Capitol attack investigations. Now, he had no evidence, he had no knowledge of the uh, origin of the evidence, and since the financial institution, whatever it was, a bank or whoever it was, credit card company, supplied the information to the FBI voluntarily without being asked you cannot be in it, it, it's like it's like if somebody walks up to you at a restaurant and yet you, you just sat down to order and they put a plate on your table full of food and you're like I haven't ordered yet and you're like you still owe me for the plate of food like it, you, you're not on the hook you didn't ask for it it just showed up so um, which is pretty great that's that's one of his primary ones um, he not only did he, does he not know where it came from but he does know that it was voluntarily given. Uh, um, he never used he never the evidence himself, it? and he never looked at the actual document containing the information. He never saw it. It's just gorgeous. Please tell me that was your jacket zipper. Anyways, I mean, it's a good story, Johnny. But uh, Simmer, we got to take a break. Slower, house fire. <laughs> Easily. All right, we're we're now we got to take a break. We'll be back right after this. Um, George Hill, Garrett. Oh boy. Oh boy. And uh, Stephen Friend have some nuggets for you guys that are just, I mean, they retweet Marjorie Taylor Greene and try to recognize that as evidence. I mean, come on. We'll be back. Attention, attention. Stop what you're doing. Because we're coming back to the Hal Sparks radio program, Mega Worldwide. Oh, my God! They went a little crazy with it, and I appreciate it. Now let's get back with Hal Sparks radio program, Mega Worldwide. Um, I want to thank Berkeley Dowd and Carol Cobb and, uh, and again, Hal Vickery. Good Lord, man. Bless you. Thank you. And Diana Turner um, and uh, for that 
And she, oh, she says, you're welcome. Well, I think you're, no, 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 thank you. No, thank you. Oh, Wes. Did you see what Um, Wes just did? No. Wes just came in uh, just underneath Hal Vickery. Oh, that's amazing. Oh, bless you. so he wouldn't steal his thunder. Oh, that's right. Try try not to keep up with Hal Vickery. Love, joy, and peace to us all. Thanks so much. Yeah, Um, the sweetest. Yeah. um, So... They, there is a distinct level of paranoia among the the Republicans right now. And if you, if I can sum it up from watching CPAC, it's that apparently, if you if you follow what they're saying, every successful uh, endeavor in the United States, anything that is actually functioning, profitable, busy, enjoyable, used by a lot of people. What, what have you, just, you know, the, the, the creme de la creme of American industry and organizations are all out to get them. And I don't mean like in, a, in an elite form. I mean, the, it, we are this close to them coming out against Big Charmin because the the idea it, essentially from these folks is that um, big tech, big media, big woke corporation, you know, big government big the deep state everything everybody's against them they just can't they you know get a break and so i guess the idea is that they're trying to and this let's be i mean let me be completely honest do i personally believe that the media is out to get republicans in general or big tech especially including elon musk and twitter are out to get them and are discriminating against them or is it that they have a real problem not saying violent, incendiary, gross, racist, sexist garbage in public and in areas where people, repeated. yeah, and and people have rules against that on social media and in restaurants and stuff like that, and they get asked to leave, and then they think their rights have been violated because they think they have a superseding right to blather on top like vile yeah. crap all over everybody else. Like, and there's a weird there's a weird um, counter argument that held zero water where people will say, well, what if Biden did this thing that Trump did? And, that, you know, they'll ask a Democrat and most Democrats will say, I'd say, investigate him, throw him out of office. Like, exactly. Th- he's not a deity. He's a public no. servant. Exactly. He's hired to do a job. He's a temp. I got news yeah. for you. The, the it's a contract Senate- position. It is right. You can you can go at any time. That's what the impeachment process is for. But the other thing is, is it's not about the fact that what if somebody did it? That's a tacit admission on its own that Trump did do it. And the problem isn't that how would I feel if my guy did it? The problem is, why aren't you doing something about it when your guy does it? That's yeah. I mean, it should seem self-evident, but (laughs) apparently not. Um, but in this particular instance, okay, so the the Republicans on this, you know, in this financial institution, whatever it is, because it's not listed, gave a list of, of, you know, like Proud Boys accounts or whatever it was to the FBI because they're like, these people seem to be spending a lot of money back and forth leading up to January 6th. And it seems to be going to like gun dealerships or something like that. That's concerning for us and we don't want to do business with those folks. So you might want to take a look. Um, and and um, the the Republicans answer was uh, they go committee Republicans emphasized 
that this list provided by this private institution was, quote, without any legal process. This claim is spurious because no legal process is required when an entity freely shares information with a federal agency. If you, you don't have to subpoena something that people are giving you willingly. If you have a problem with their ability to give it willingly, then, then the official policy of the Republican Party is snitches get stitches from now on, I guess. <laughs> Pretty much. Right? Mm-hmm. So, so the, the biggest problem that they have with this is that a financial institution sees what it believes is a federal crime, passes that information on to the FBI, and that's the problem that the Republicans have. Not the crime itself, but how dare they? Also, I got news for you. If uh, Republicans, if you want to engage in violent, stupid insurrections, you're going to have to start operating with, I guess, suitcases full of cash. Because the minute you participate in the financial system with everybody else, people tend to have a say. We don't, um, you know, banks don't hold knowingly cartel money in the United States, for example. And if they find out that it's being hidden there, they turn it over to the federal government. Same thing. The, the, essentially, what the Republicans would be wanting to set up with this sliver of crap in this one committee is an idea that, that a bank could not tell the feds, the DEA, the FBI, whoever, that a giant multinational terrorist organization or a drug cartel is laundering money through their facility. They would have to keep it to themselves. It, I, but back the blue, I guess. All right, sure. He also cl- claimed... He also claimed that a supervisor in the Boston field office declined to investigate certain individuals who traveled to Washington on January 6th because he did not feel he had sufficient predicate to do so. While originally claiming that he was privy to these conversations firsthand, Hill later admitted that during Democratic questioning that he heard about the case secondhand, noting that his memory may be faulty. It's over two years ago, he said. Again, because of Hill's limited involvement in January 6th matters, is unlikely he would have had personal knowledge. And so he's, he, he's basically... He's listening to stuff he heard on Telegram and Twitter. Yeah. And he's it, it, it is folding into his knowledge or beliefs about legal matters. Does I don't I, does that not seem like a horrifying aspect? Like if you're talking about an egregious over, you want to talk about somebody needing to whistleblow on somebody. If you found out that you were working on a team as an FBI agent or a supervisory uh, special agent or whatever with a guy who was who couldn't tell the difference between evidence he had read in a classified briefing or in particular documents or during or experienced during an interview with a suspect and crap he read on telegram and and in his reports commingled details from both of those places of course these guys were bounced of course, these three guys, all of them who all of them, by the way, who did this, they all engaged in this. They all engaged in the commingling of, you know, like mythological blather on the, you know, on the far right fringes of Telegram and, and, and Truth Social and Twitter and all that, it, like all those like different parlor, whatever. 
they they would commingle what they read on there with the reality of the details in and of themselves. Can you imagine a judge in a case on Twitter while listening to testimony thinking he heard something from the defendant that he actually just saw in a trending line? Yeah. Oof. Oof. And the fact that the the Republicans, let me be abundantly clear, the Republicans have set up a committee to defend this, yeah. that this is their idea of whistleblowers, and this is their idea of a functioning judicial system. It, it like it is it is right up and and believe me, like this guy's the least of it. Hill is the is the you know now he tweets under like senior chief on something or other on Twitter. I'm not going to repeat it because I don't want people to. Go to whatever, but his he he was one of these guys who believed that uh, January six was a setup, and that poor doe-headed maggots got lured into attacking the Capitol by Antifa and Black Lives Matter members and uh, Ray Epps, the maggot whisperer, who so had he not said, "Hey man, those cops are just doing their job. Go easy," which is of course code for attack the Capitol, build a gallows, and steal things and crap in the rotunda and t- carry the Confederate flag. God, I keep forgetting you know. all the stuff they did. Yeah. And, yeah. It, yeah, it's nasty. So um, apparently Ray Epps uh, had MK Ultra like powers. It was it, like a, a whisper from Ray Epps telling you to cool it is the equivalent of reading Catcher in the Rye and being a, an assassin set out in, like in the... Um, whatever the uh, movie Conspiracy Theory with Mel Gibson. Oh, sure, yeah. Um, He refers multiple times to the FBI as brown shirts while being one himself. Uh, In a tweet, by the way, that he sends out, this is from November 30th, 2022. This is recent. This is is a tweet from Marjorie Taylor Greene that uh, he... He says, the FBI are the brown shirt enforcers of the DNC. By the Bureau's own policy, they are obligated to disrupt if innocent lives are at risk. But Trump supporters aren't ever innocent, are they? Now, um, uh, agents... Not our fault. FBI agents uh, have to intervene. But confidential informants, who are kind of on the side of the bad guys, but don't want the bad guys to go too far, so might tell you if something really bad's going to go down, but don't care if the drug deals continue, that kind of, those, they're not going to interject, and they're not going to be a confidential informant for very long if they interject at the first, uh, you know, immoral, unethical, or violent thing that they're a participant in. Um, They themselves, if they... And, and by the way, you lose your confidential informant status these days. I don't know what it was like in the mid-80s, but you lose your status these days if you participate in a murder or a, you know, a major uh, violent assault and those kind of things. So huh, weird. Uh, maybe, maybe, just maybe, that was the whole point of cool it. Um, but Rep. Uh, Marjorie, MTG says over here, she says, if the FBI had so many informants inside a group, why don't they stop J6 from happening? Okay, so the informants, uh, by the way, were, were saying that there were people prepping to do this kind of thing. But up till the point of where they walked up there, Trump had removed his statement about we're all going to walk down and I'm going to go with you. He originally had that in the speech. 
He was told by his legal counsel, John Eastman and others, that if it was in there, they would have to get a permit for a march. And this would let the Capitol know they were coming. And that would raise the security at the Capitol. And therefore, he removed that statement from his speech so he could catch the Capitol Police with their pants down, effectively. he could. They would have less security because there was never an intention for them to lead a march directly to the Capitol. He always intended to do it. He took it out of the speech and he said it verbally and didn't tell his Secret Service detail that he planned to do it because he didn't want to tip off the Capitol that a giant crowd of maggots was coming to attack them and build a gallows and were carrying guns. And he had removed all the, uh, you know, the metal detectors because he was like, they're, they're not here to shoot me. All that. I mean, that guy, it, it, the amount of evidence that points to he was, you know, he was trying to create plausible deniability on the top and underneath was fomenting this violent attack on the Capitol is, uh, is overwhelming. Anyways, uh, she follows up. Ashley Babbitt was killed on J6. Roseanne Boylan was beaten, trampled, and dragged down the hall away from life-saving CPR being administered. They would be alive if the FBI had stopped it. Okay. Roseanne Boylan was was trampled by Jan Sixers. If you'll recall, in a fit of, of horrifying irony... She was pictured earlier in the day carrying a don't tread on me flag. Ultimately, by the way, she died of an amphetamines overdose during the. Yeah. So her agitated heartbeat matched with the amount of amphetamines in her system during this particular onslaught. She was stomped by her fellow Jan Sixers, her fellow Trump fans. And they, failing to give her CPR, dragged her over to the very police they themselves were attacking and said, save her. And the police tried. They, they pulled her away from the crowd and continued CPR. And then they eventually got her taken away on a gurney and, and, try, and tried to clear a path. For a woman that was in a group that was directly attacking them. Who, by the way, uh, apparently died uh, for a lie. Died thinking, I suppose, that she was fighting for Donald Trump when in reality she was just being led astray by Antifa and BLM. She was suckered into being curb stomped by her fellow fellow travelers. And, and her life was lost for nothing. Along with, by the way, I guess, Ashley Babbitt. Because if indeed it was a setup, then the people who died were not indeed martyrs for a cause, but suckers and losers. Yep. Which is what Donald Trump allegedly said about American soldiers. We got to take a break. When we come back, uh, uh, we, I mean, I couldn't even get through one of these guys. In, in the last segment, there's uh, morons. We'll be back. Yeah. I know I'm only on one day a week. I get it. I'm going to have to jump on uh, GarageBand and start sawing something together. 
this is the house bar show and then a guitar note and then progressive and all yeah it's gonna be good hey how did you mean something like this this is the house bar show and a guitar note and then progressive and all yeah it's gonna be good the House Parks Radio Program, Mega Worldwide. Yeah, it's going to be good. Johnny Million, you know, uh, today's show is just zipping by, by the way. I have to say, does it seem like it's been like 10 minutes we've been on the air? It's yeah, kind of seriously. amazing. Um, and um, Johnny, during the break, um, we, we were discussing you getting down a rabbit hole about sovereign citizens. And um, we're going to have to address at some point. This, the the sovereign citizens are the weird adopted psychotic uh, mind hunter kid of the of libertarians that this is oh, yeah. naturally what happens when like libertarianism taken to its idiotic ends uh, always entails sovereign citizens movements that's where it's gonna go that's you know for all and if you if you bring this up they all get mad but they'll also go well Democrats is communism. You know, you're like, okay, what yeah. what about democratic policies are communistic, especially the part where everybody gets a vote, which in a communist country, you don't, you don't ever. Um, so anyways, we're going to have to have a big show about that in the near future because the Moorish Americans, the sovereign citizen movement, these like, and, and a lot of these folks are very violent. And in the, if you'll recall, when the FBI was brought before a committee, I think, last year or year before last. And there was a big uproar on the right about how they were saying our biggest domestic threat is white supremacist groups and and and, and other, like, anti-government militia-style groups. And, they, and the story, if you watched Glenn Beck or any of these other people afterwards, all week long, for well, for a month afterwards, was this, oh, that the FBI thinks the biggest threat in the world is white supremacy and domestic, you know, terror groups. No, that is the biggest domestic threat of the domestic threats that we face in general. That's the biggest threat we have. The foreign, th- and, and, and the weird thing is they would constantly do this kind of like, bigger than China, bigger than whatever. You're like, that's not a domestic threat, dum-dum. That's a foreign threat. Let's go talk to the... DNI and the CIA and the DOD and the Pentagon and all that. They handle outside the borders. We handle inside. You asked us about domestic stuff. We're trying to tell you. So one of the fascinating parts, uh, um, you know, with with this with this crowd in particular was that one of these FBI guys uh, that the got kicked, this guy, um, his last name is Louis Friend. Um, no, Steve Friend. Um, <laughs> said he lived in Baltimore, but may have lied. That's all I remember. His last name is Fitzinia. <laughs> <laughs> donut, donut. Yeah, everybody calls him Donut. Um, yeah, all right, so Dick. that's so wrong. Um, um, Richard, during this, during his interview, this is one of my say. So, friend, this this one particular guy, and they're all uh, like anti-vax. They, uh, they all had trouble, apparently, like he I think he's the one that got um, uh, put because he wouldn't he wouldn't be tested. He would get he you could you could apply for a vaccine, um, you know, like to have a, a 
to get out of the vaccine mandate for a myriad of reasons. Get a doctor's note, tell them it's a religious thing. You can get around it all kinds of ways. But testing was a regular part of it. Like, just we don't care if you're going to get the inoculation, but if you do get sick, stay home. Don't make everybody else sick. So right. he refused testing. And he was, they told him, go home uh, without pay, and you're considered AWOL. You're absent without leave because you, sure. you, can't, you're, you can't be here. Um, if you refuse to get tested for an infectious disease that we're currently dealing with on a pandemic level, are you an idiot? Are you trying to kill every one of your coworkers that might have a comorbidity that they don't even know about at this point? It's just like guys, a goon. Anyways, one of his things was, and I'm sure you're familiar, um, Johnny Million, uh, with the uh, with the domestic investigations and operations guide. You, you've you perused it. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, I'm, I'm that's sure. actually um, toilet side reading for me. It is, absolutely. It's kind of calming. Mm-hmm. It helps you relax. Gets me in um, the mood. So for, uh, the D-I-O-G, as it's called, um, is, uh, is, is, the, is the general guide for the FBI on how they do domestic uh, operations and investigations, hence the name. And they go by that in general. And this guy's... Big complaint, his big, like, slam on the FBI, his big insistence was that the the FBI, in its pursuit of Jan Sixers and the related bodies, the three percenters and, and the Proud Boys and all those groups, varied from DIOG guidelines. That was his thing. Now, do you think it is... Um, it is allowed, Johnny Melian, that uh, FBI agents, special investigators, uh, supervisory agents, analysts can can sometimes go beyond the guidelines. Does it sound just from the the general title of such a thing? Does it sound like, on occasion, if need be? You can make a decision or someone above you can make a decision that you can go beyond the <clears throat> guidelines. Seems like you might have to in some instances. Seems like you might have to at times. Now, um, during his interview, Friend admitted that he was not involved in the decision-making process around how Jan 6 cases would be handled across the FBI and was not in a supervisory position during his tenure at the Dayton Beach Residency Agency. Did not participate in regular FBI-wide calls related to capital insurrection cases and had no information as to whether a departure from the DIOG had been authorized for the investigation of events related to the January 6th capital attack. That's not surprising at all. He has no idea whether everybody's gone, okay, this is obviously a big deal, so we're going to have to do this instead of this. But generally, we want to do this, but we might have to do this. He, He viewed that as exculpatory evidence. The, going outside the DIOG guidelines to go after these like individuals and groups that m- were loosely or tightly connected and m- intermingled, that not sticking to the guidelines, the fact that they didn't stick to the guidelines in this regard, he believed that should be given to the January 6th um, detainees, the people who are on, tr- are on trial for, for what they've done as exculpatory evidence that they should say, I should be let loose because the FBI didn't follow their own guidelines. Now, in fact, 
friend admitted that he does not know if the FBI is using the DIOG as the controlling authority for the January 6th cases. Now, that would seem like, Johnny Million, that there might be another guidebook that relates hmm. to other stuff in particular. Or whether it was relying on another, yes, Dianetics, another <laughs> authority in place of or addition to the DIOG. For example, the Counterterrorism Program Guide is a classified document that provides specific guidance for handling mass events and often supplements the DIOG in very large, complex criminal cases. When asked, Friend admitted that he had no knowledge or familiarity with the FBI Counterterrorism Program Guide or its guidelines for managing cases related to a mass event um, or a large, complex criminal case, which I think applies to January 6th. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that a herd of maggots uh, Mm -hmm. attacking the Capitol, building a gallows, intending to um, shoot the Speaker of the House, murder even members of the party that they purport to support, um, did I lose you for a second? You, oh, we lost Johnny Million for a second. He dropped out. It was a, it was a, we had an anti, we had a cat fight, cat fight. He went away. He'll be back. He'll find his way back in. But, um, here he comes. There he is. Welcome back. I think it was a cat thing. I think it was just too much fur in one shot, but oh, you're here. Probably. You're all good. Hi, Flora. Somebody did a um, super chat for a Flora swear jar, which made me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, we got to take a break. We'll be back. Philip Bittner is going to be joining us on the other side of this. Um, and, but I, I would like to make abundantly clear: n- these are the the top three whistleblowers. These are the people that Jim Jordan insisted on bringing before the committee as soon as possible. But he's got dozens and dozens more that they're not quite as up to that. Not quite there. But eventually it's going to be awesome. Just hang out. In two weeks, right after Trump's taxes and his infrastructure bill and his health care plan, there's going to be two weeks from now, the committee to, for the weaponization of the government will continue to weaponize the government against nobody. We'll be back. Welcome, folks. Uh, joining <laughs> us right now, Philip Bittner um, in uh, Kiev currently. I think, are you, wait, is that a No, no, I'm in Kiev. Apart- Okay, yeah, okay. Yes, no, no, I that's just my it. new, that's my new painting. Right, that's right, that's right. Um, so, uh, welcome to the show. Glad you're okay. First and foremost, uh, you're back with the House Park Radio Program, Mega Worldwide, and now with 100% more. It's Johnny Million. That's right. Johnny Million has a Twitch channel, uh, twitch.tv slash it's Johnny Million. Johnny Million. Um, very, very Monty Python, which we uh, appreciate. And then, of course, uh, Philip Bittner has been um, vlogging uh, up a storm in uh, in in Ukraine lately. And there's a lot to cover, not the least of which is um, is certainly what's going on in Bakhmut, which is the biggest story mm-hmm. about whether it's surrounded, whether Prigozhin is, uh, you know, 
uh, telling the truth about it being surrounded, whether it's a rope a dope, whether it's a, a, a you know a fallback, uh, whether they're trying to draw the the into the meat grinder again. I, I mean, there's all kinds of stories. I'm sure there's, there's a lot of theories being floated there as well. Um, what's the what's your update in terms of that, Phil? Well, we've been hearing about the fall of Bak. Well, we've been. The fighting in Bakhmut has been going on since August of 2022, and we've been, yeah. I mean, almost weekly, it's, oh, it's it's going to fall imminently, it's going to fall, it's, it's going to fall, right. it's going to fall, it's going to fall. And it still hasn't fallen, and the Ukrainians are still holding on to it. Um, I mean, it, it does look like they're really uh, surrounded, uh, that they, they're holding on, the Ukrainians are hold, only holding on to uh, really the center of town, and a, a potential escape route. Uh, we know that the that uh, bridges over certain um, uh, rivers have been exploded. Uh, mm-hmm. th- that might be part of a uh, phased withdrawal. But uh, right now, I mean, and the and the head of the Ukrainian armed forces was there just yesterday. Uh, mm-hmm. the ground forces. He was there, uh, General uh, Sirniki. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I, at this point, I've stopped guessing when Bakhmut is going to fall. I think right. we're about as good as we've ever been. But Ukrainians, if you know, the the whole Ukrainian side of this thing has been that if the Russians are so determined to try and take it, the Ukrainians are willing to kill as many of them as they possibly can uh, to make them pay for it, which has kind of been their tactic in a number of different places throughout the war. So. Uh, at some point, though, there's, I mean, the Ukrainians have been talking about this openly. It's, at some point, though, there has to be a decision of, is it worth it anymore um, to mm-hmm. try and hold on to even a smidgen of it um, and kind of draw in the Russians? Or is it time to fall back and find another defensive line? I think we'll have a better idea of what's actually happening within the next 24 Right. Um, and uh, the... Insofar as like uh, shipments of arms and that kind of stuff, that's also been, um, you know, that's started. There's like a groundswell around that stuff currently, correct? Like this is we're now starting to see the first real trickles of the, you know, the leopards and the other stuff are actually there's Mm -hmm. a volume of them now as opposed to just a couple or what have you. Yeah, the German leopards. uh, Well, I say German. I mean, German made leopards, which are held by native NATO countries are starting to show up here. Uh, mm-hmm. I have a couple of guys in the Ukrainian military that they've said to me that they've seen um, American Bradleys inside Ukraine. I tried mm-hmm. checking that with the source of mine in the Pentagon. And as we did, I think we discussed this briefly on, on Wednesday, Hal, um, that, uh, that, I mean, my guy in the Pentagon says, it, you know, it's not for us to de- declare whether or not Bradleys are in Ukraine or not. That is a Ukrainian decision to make, which is not a denial. So Bradleys could be here. I think the Bradleys are here. Uh, trust me, right. Ukrainian sources. These are not. These are pretty sharp soldiers. They're they're well informed. They know the difference between what vehicle is what. So if they tell me they saw Bradleys on the back of a train in Ukraine, uh, out in near Lviv, then I'm willing to believe them. There's been an announcement by the Brits that they're going to double their uh, shipment of uh, Challenger 2s. Uh, so that's good news. From 14 to 28, 
doesn't sound like a lot, but every one of these NATO, uh, modern uh, NATO battle tanks is is worth its weight in gold. So we'll see. But yeah, uh, and then also it does look like the ammunition is starting to um, show up and, and pledges of war ammunition are being fulfilled. So uh, NATO is slow to start, but once it, once it gets going, apparently, um, hopefully, uh, it, it really does start to be more steady. We'll see what happens. I mean, we're, we're still not into the fighting season yet. It's still... Right. Yeah, a lot of this is about the sort of the wind-up that's happening. And the Institute for the Study of War has been talking about the fact that they, they their, their assessment is that they're looking at a tactical withdrawal from Bakhmut. And I was under the impression, by the way, that Bakhmut was a um, was a large, you know, if not million person city or hundred thousand person city, but the, but it's it's a seventy. The population normally is seventy thousand. Yeah, the, the the geography and the way things kind of are in the former Soviet Union is you have these kind of um, they're you know they're high rise buildings, but it's not a massive town. It's it's right. like a suburban. Uh, I don't know what to compare. Well, I mean, as a as a Bay Area uh, citizen, I mean, it's like Walnut Creek or like Berkeley. Okay, okay. Know, it's, it's that kind of gotcha. size city, and they're dotted yeah. all throughout. You find those dotted right. all throughout the former Soviet Union. Gotcha. Yeah, I just I, I I like I that I was surprised after the you know uh, as i've been like reading more into the stories about bakhmut and why they would want to take it and all the issues that you know the back and forth the meat grinder leading up to it the you know why you would pull in and pull back like and and i i had always assumed in the conversations out of my own ignorance that it was a very large city that it, that's that they wanted it in many ways because it was a cherry on top kind of a you're not claiming Walnut Creek. You're getting San Francisco, and um, yeah. I, I was I was shocked to find out it was as small as it was in that regard, and that it's it's all been about that. It's always been weird um, as a as a city choice for them, the, the Russians, to kind of almost stake a la- an ongoing last stand on. Um, but it, it's it, it's just a curious. Well, there's thing. been some there's been some conversation about. That it's a hub, it's a transportation hub, and yes, it is right. that. There are a lot of interconnecting roadways there, but right. you can like San Bernardino, California. There's like two big Amazon places, and then there's a giant uh, like shipping transit center. Um, yeah, a couple of it, intersecting can, highways. But there's so many different roadways that you can alternate, and you, you can get around. You, right. It doesn't. It doesn't have to be Bakhmut. You could have other roads that are in the larger um, general area where you can still maneuver around. It's an interconnected roadway out there. Um, mm-hmm. There's that there's the conversation that there's this massive salt mine that's out there, which would be good for storing weaponry or, mm-hmm. you know, as a, as a bomb, kind of like putting supplies there to protect it from attack. Bunker busters and whatnot. But... I can't imagine it's – well, I don't know how many bunker busters the Ukrainians have. But, yeah, I mean, they could they – could, it's, it's way deep in, in the ground. But, and, it, and it's, you know, and it's massive. It's, a, it's the second largest salt mine in Europe. Um, mm-hmm. And you literally could put, like, a higher division, um, a couple of brigades, maybe a full division of armored 
um, forces inside that mind. I mean, it's that vast. But um, but again, I I don't know how much of this we we pick these things apart. But I don't know how much of it has to do with anything that we can scientifically or tactically or strategically look at and how much of it is just simply they got the bit between their teeth and they wanted to take it. And they right. just they just like, you know, put their head down and they insisted on trying to take it. Maybe it was the the, you know, the frustration or the um, the rivalry or the competition between the, the mercenary group, this Wagner group. Uh, right. Or whether, you know, with their competition with the you know the proper Russian army, uh, and so maybe Wagner wanted a trophy that they could take to Putin. We don't know. Or, we really don't. Or they've been threatened if they don't. That's that. That's right. Sure. But one way or the other, they really, really wanted Bakhmut, and the Ukrainians have always just kind of shrugged their shoulders and said, "Well, you know, again, if this is where you want to die, we'll accommodate right. you. Um, you know, keep." Keep bashing your head against this anvil uh, if that's what you want to do. Uh, so we'll, we'll see. I don't. I don't know. But I, you know, Bakhmut has stories of Bakhmut's demise has all have have been, uh, a, you know, on the tip of a lot of people's tongues for a very long time, and a lot of people, for a variety of reasons, want to see Bakhmut fall into to Russia's hands. So you see. You know, pro-Russian elements saying, "Oh, it's about to happen," and then that'll be catastrophic, and the dominoes will start dropping. I don't see any dominoes. I just mm-hmm. see that they they put a pin in a map somewhere and said, "Take that," and the Ukrainians right. get made them pay for it. So, right, we got um, we got to take a break. When we come back, um, Sergey Lavrov was in India trying mm-hmm. to gin up mm-hmm. their partnership there, and then got laughed at. We'll talk about that uh, by the crowd there. We'll talk about that when we come back. Um, Maybe work on Phil's audio a bit. It's a little crackly and low. Yeah, I'm not. um, I'm not sure what I can remedy. Maybe a reconnect. Yeah, perhaps. We'll try that when we come back. All right, it's the House Parts Radio Program, Mega Worldwide. Welcome back to the House Parks Radio Program, Mega Worldwide. Uh, Philip is reconnecting, and in the interim, um, he he knows about this, so I will express this to him um, on uh, you know when he when he comes when he pops back in. We're trying to solve his audio issue because he's actually far far away in a war zone. I, I, some people they get so it's these podcaster people they get so used to pristine audio. Look at this. Look, yeah. this is oh September. Yeah, uh, Johnny Million is showing a picture of of Philip Itner's, uh beard when it was high and tight, and now it's very know, high and reaching, tight. It's 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 proper. He's now reaching, I think, you know, proper uh, like mid mid century. Uh, Here he is I, in action. Bubula. Uh, yep. So what it, it you moves. should do it's, is say what you think he's saying here, and then oh, I, see I you're in. Uh, yeah, um, I took. We're gonna fill him in on it. He'll pop I, I took there the, is. Hold on. I, I got him back. You know he can see that, right? And you know put it in. Uh, and I put it in an olive leaf. You did no such thing. All right, I I see him. Can we hear you again, uh, Philip? Can you check for us? Test, 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 test. There he is. That's no, I, I'm, I'm definitely got. 
Well, yeah, I turned yeah. off. I, I did it with my phone. I have to have I have to have headphones because my hearing is so damaged from all right, the from what? various explo- explosions. Yeah. Huh? He's just um, gunfire explosions, just, things like that. He's <laughs> just being a jerk. I love laughing about wartime. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it's one of his favorite pastimes. And here he is. There he is. Um, <gasps> there he is. So much better. Okay. So what I was saying was, and we we managed to mess around until you got back here. Um, is uh, Lavrov's in India, and India is important to Russia right now because it's one of their biggest oil partners right now. If you look at the chart of where Russian oil and gas has gone from, everywhere it's tapered off in, on the on the Russian side of things, you know, or on the uh, European side of things, it has gone largely to China and India. At, a, at by the way, at a at an at a severe discount, I might add, and um, so there it it's very meaningful. Uh, you know, their relationship with India is very important for them right now. Oops, drop. We lo- uh, there he is. Okay. So, um, uh, did you see this by the time? It's sort of like India's G20. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So he said, um, yeah. Uh, he was talking about how um, at a conference in India, he said that, you, that the Ukraine war, quote, was launched against us. And the whole crowd at this thing <laughs> laughed in his face. And, Burst into laughter. And then a somebody in the crowd shouted, come on, <laughs> which in and of itself is amazing that in India, even in India, people are, are yelling American colloquialisms uh, for for malarkey. Um, and uh, well, and he was he was also speaking in English, which he actually he doesn't always speak in English at these conferences. He he oftentimes does the whole um, I, I I as a representative of Russia must speak in Russian uh, because their language is so important to them. Their their great rich language, the Bugatti Yesik, they call it. Uh, so I found it interesting he was speaking in um, English, and then when the laughter happened. I thought it was very funny that almost you could see it almost like dead behind the eyes, kind of like, I'll just keep talking. He didn't acknowledge it, he, but you could sure. see that he, uh, that, that there was a little shout, a shout that came over his face, uh, when he realized that the, the, the audience was calling him on his baloney. Yeah, that was good. That was, yeah. that was very funny to see. Um, there was a, um, I, I mean, I suppose face means, you know, as much to the Russians to some degree in terms of their hmm. machismo almost as it does to the the Chinese in terms of overall status in something. And there have been, um, I, I want to say, two, you know, uh, well, one of the guys who worked on the Russian vaccine uh, died mysteriously a couple days ago. He was apparently uh, strangled by a male prostitute in his apartment, which, on the one hand, sad and awful and what have you. On the other hand, it sounds an awful lot like the kind of thing that Russia does when they want you to die and nobody to ask questions. So they make your death so uncomfortable. If you're a confirmed bachelor, they paint you as gay and kill you that way or or what have you. It very well may have just been. Exactly that. He might have just been strangled by his 
you know, by who he hired. But it's interesting that he was involved in the Sputnik five um, vaccine, which hasn't been all that great. And that's something no. we're not even talk, talking about right now. As uh, you know, as China is dealing again with the end of zero COVID and the rise of cases, which they've they just stopped mentioning. So as if it's just going to go away. And we're talking, you know, tens of thousands of hospitalized cases a day right now, ongoing <laughs> for months now. And, uh, the, you know, Russia shares a border with them. A lot of their villages have a lot of interconnectivity. Um, China insisted on full opening. So they were to show the world that everything's fine. And so they just they're just letting it roll over everybody. So they're almost forcing travel back and forth that like there might have been a region that was spared because nobody goes anywhere but they just sent people there anyways that more than likely are you know have every flight in china has you know a dozen people who have some form of covid they haven't even been hit with the delta variant yet it's just terrifying and the fact that you know they're you know they're interacting with russians across the border and those people are being called up to go to the front lines god knows what the hell you know They've got. They're dealing with. Yeah, and well, they're, they're, if there's a if there's a silver lining to the sanctions for the Russians, and when it comes to COVID, it's that their 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 internal domestic their, their domestic internal consumer flights have have slowed to a trickle. Not even their international, but because they can't maintain their air fleet. I mean, I and this is coming from a friend of mine who works. Uh, for an airline and she got, she got out of Russia, but she still is in contact with her colleagues and that's what she's relaying to, to me. Uh, so that it might be anecdotal, but re- regardless, I mean, the way Russia has handled the, the, uh, pa- or the way Russia handled the pa- pandemic continues to handle the, the pandemic was, was awful. I mean, and we know, we know very well that they hid their numbers. Um, there was a, there was a, a uh, um, right. A medical, uh, uh, a woman from the Ministry of Health who who went uh, and who was a whistleblower, and she started, you know, coming out and saying, "We see what's happening in the cities. What's really happening, though, is in the rural areas. Nothing's being done to protect these people, and they're dying." in you know huge numbers so we don't and look russia has a major population problem it has a population growth problem it has an an aging uh 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 population uh that you know they're they're not letting out keep people coming up their their mortality rate is comparatively low it's the last time it was uh effectively studied it was uh 59 for men was the mortality rate which is just you know crazy um so you know all of all of that kind of stuff is uh is is you know as as they come out of covid and now they go into a war where they're just throwing bodies at the thing uh, i don't you know russia's russia's going to have to deal with this population issue that it has very soon it's going to exacerbate things when it loses this war as well because you know what what happens with what Russia is, and is there any growth to be had in Russia? Will Russia break apart? Will Russia uh, implode? And all these uh, issues of, of population are going to be part of it. So, yeah, right. that's that's definitely going on. And, and, and there is, again, that's one of those situations where, quite frankly, there just is no exit. There, there kind of cannot no. be. You, you don't you don't just automatically print a bunch of people who can procreate, especially if you're sending the vast majority of them to die, 
to capture a town that holds 70,000 people in another country that never did anything to you. So um, and mm-hmm. and let's just say th- this ends. Some of them go home, all that kind of stuff. They're still going to deal with the, the scars of war like every other country has dealt with the the trauma, the alcoholism, especially in, in Russia, which is a country that would you know, a- avoid even conversations about mental health in regard to the damage done during war. And, you know, and where, and where and where alcoholism is is rampant, and not only that, but culturally, even aside from alcoholism, uh, drinking is part of a machismo culture, and you you you, it's how much you can drink really kind of like is part of who you are as a man. Your your right. sense of you know in, in the pecking order when you kind of are socializing, that's that's part of it. It's intrinsic to their society. So, yeah, I mean, and and then, you know, it also, also there's been those who say that that might've been a motivation for the war because the, the population, this might be, it's now or never because the population is, is falling apart. Maybe they'd hope to annex Ukraine, which has better birth rates. Um, Maybe, you know, it might have something to do why they're stealing tens of thousands of children and, um, and, and uh, abducting them and taking them back to Russia. Um, I mean, I don't know how much of this is a major contributing factor, but it, it, it wouldn't shock me at all to learn that it's a contributing factor for sure. Well, the, Russia's, well, yeah, the, Russia's in a really crisis uh, point when it comes to their population. Right. And a, as is China. So the two of them pairing up right now. And the interesting thing is you got two countries. Everybody's like, oh, my God, we're going to drive it, them into each other's arms. This is how Trump referred to it last week. You know, that's his big fear that they're going to get together. I got news for you, though. Both countries are pretty darn racist when it comes to the populations of their countries as a whole. They might be all right with other races being in their places, but they're both Russia and China are big on international segregation. They, mm-hmm. you know, they believe, you know, the, 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 there's another thing that, yeah. yeah, there's another thing that Trump, I'm sure was not aware of. And that's that the Chinese and the Russians hate one another, right. have a long, long history of, of going to war with one another, of being, of, of annexing territory of one another, to, of, of conflict with one another. And this goes back to the foundation of Russia yeah. itself with the Mongols and the Golden Horde. Um, I mean, and, and, they, and they have a fear of China um, kind of uh, encroach, uh, encroaching on them from their soft underbelly right. and their far east. And there is that blatant racism. Yes, they absolutely they hate one another. Yeah. They, right. We have, know, to take a, so. we have to take a break. I, I, I personally believe that everything Russia does right now is under the sort of the paranoid umbrella of is the person I'm, you know, I'm friends with or that's helping me right now secretly hiding a knife behind their back. And the answer is increasingly yes. We'll be back right after this. It's the House Park Radio Program, Mega Worldwide on WCPT Radio, Chicago's Progressive Talk. Now with 100% more Johnny Million, twitch.tv slash it's Johnny Million. And, of course, uh, Philip Bittner at Philip Bittner on Twitter, 1L, 2Ts. And then, of course, you can uh, follow him and go to Philip Bittner on uh, YouTube and watch his vlog. We'll be back. You're locked into the House Sparks Radio Program, Mega Worldwide. 
welcome back. Um, so, uh, we're, I mean, there's a myriad of things uh, to discuss uh, currently. Um, at this point, there is a – we are almost in the sort of wind-up part of what's coming next. I think there's a there have been a couple of times during this war where there's an anticipation factor on it. And the anticipation always seems to be – uh oh! Here come the Russians, and and it's been sold by the you know the the far right and the far left in the United States. And by the way, a report came out this week that uh, the Chinese are spending a billion dollars, one billion dollars, on pro-Russia, anti-Ukraine propaganda in the West, funding outlets, um, boost campaigns. Um, you know, adding like view boosts to uh, to videos and things that they like. So the the shows of our, our you know our our recurring squad of tankies, for example, will get a a you know a, a boost to a, a you know a third more views on their videos each because they're they're being paid for by the Chinese government. A billion dollars. This is where they can't. They they they. I think they're in a situation where they can't give direct arms. And if they get caught, they'll get sanctioned. So they're doing this on the DL and doing it just, this is just PR essentially. And, but they are spending it on effectively what's, what is effectively a psyop. Um, and they're spending a billion dollars of it uh, on it. Uh, and, and just the last couple of months and then going forward, they were, they're going to continue this. And that's by the way, even though they're broke and even though the Chinese are in a tough spot for the government, it's chump change um, in that regard. And the, that's part of the agreement that they probably made with Russia. That's the one that's what Russia is getting instead of guns, instead of artillery shells, instead of drones from the Chinese. They're getting this this psyop, you know, upkeep from them. Um, the interesting Wouldn't thing is, me, no. the more, yeah, the more they do it. The less it works, because uh, the the anti-Ukraine Republicans in the House, Matt Gates, Marjorie Taylor Greene, are largely causing that issue to jump the shark. And the 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 gathering at CPAC that, you know, where Marjorie Taylor Greene brought up three times apropos of nothing, how she didn't want any more money going to Ukraine and uh, like did that weird kind of smile that she does right after saying it. And she spoke directly to Zelensky, looked right in the camera and said, you're not going to take our sons and daughters to die on, you know, in Ukraine, which is like goofy. Um, well, that, that was got a, that was in that was in. The, yeah. No, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, I was just saying that, that the crowd was half empty and the applause was kind of uh, perfunctory. It was not it was not the kind of thing where people are really rallying whatever whatever she's selling. She's getting fewer and fewer customers, which I take as a good sign. Yeah, I think the billion dollar uh, infusion from the the Chinese into Russian psyops, sadly, I, I I agree with you. Ultimately, there's a ceiling about how effective that kind of stuff can be because the Chinese aren't nearly as good at it as as the Russians are. But it will have an effect. And I, I am yes. I am 
very concerned about that messaging take to finding at least some traction in sure. uh, the United States. Now I'm pushing back about, you know, against it as much as I can. There's some stuff that I'm doing that I'm not able to talk about quite yet. Um, but I will soon. Um, right. But what, you know, it, it, I, I do think there's a danger, frankly, I, because it's, you know, nobody likes war. Uh, there is a desire, you know, any human being with empathy wants the war to end, but they have to understand that the, the, the a bad uh, victory for the Ukrainians um, is is not acceptable. It's it's because it because they'll come back again. This has to be concluded. This has to be finished so that mm-hmm. it doesn't happen anymore. But what I thought was interesting about Green's um, statement uh, during CPAC where she did that whole looking into the camera and saying, I'm not sending any of our, our daughters or sons. That was in reaction to Zelensky having a press conference around the one-year anniversary mark in which he mm-hmm. said what he said was, and she purposely, she must, yeah. well, I'd say she must know, but she's so she stupid, maybe she didn't it. know. Or, yeah, or willfully inverted it. But what Zelensky said was, if you do not support us, Today, it's Ukrainians fighting and dying. If it is, if you don't support us and we don't stop Russia today in this war, tomorrow it will be your sons and daughters fighting this war, meaning yeah. Russia ain't going to stop. And, right. and also, what, what I really am worried about is, is this, because there's so much to latch on. Uh, the, the amount of money that's being spent, uh, the Lend-Lease program is so poorly understood in the West and in the United States. Mm-hmm. The empathy of, you know, seeing pain and suffering and death and just wanting it to be over, that like right. strong desire. I, I do worry about support for Ukraine waning, but I don't think it's, I, I don't think it's going to be come into effect in any time before Again, I still think this is not going to go into years and years and years. Sadly, I think it might border around the you know the end of twenty three, beginning of twenty four, which is not what I would have hoped. You know, a few months ago, I was saying I would I was hoping it was going to be in you know uh, towards towards the end of summer sort of period. That sadly may not be that way. We'll we'll have to see. It's way too early to say. We have to see what happens on the battlefield you, this summer. Uh, but I, I am worried about support for the war. I hope it won't wane, um, but I know that the Ukrainians are going to keep fighting because, you know, this is an existential threat. Right. Azatmat um, uh, Maitanov, who's a, a Kazakh journalist, is reporting that um, that Kadyrov has is terminally ill from kidney disease. Uh, and uh, well, have you seen him recently? No, I have not. I mean, he's, um, he, he is yeah. bloated. He is oh. he is on some serious, serious um, steroids, steroids or something. So, right. Uh, some sort of treatment that is causing him to uh, uh, plump up like nobody's business. Uh, it it And it's not just, you know, uh, uh, rich living. It's, there's something going right. on. So I don't know. Yeah, I think it's, I think that's entirely possible. And, and um, so one of the other, uh, you know, obviously the, the big story, I think, is this explosion that happened inside Moscow that was a, a, a believed to be a Ukrainian cruise missile that struck inside the country and that they had sent a drone 
to see if it could be stopped by the um, by the Russian air defenses. It wasn't. They just landed it someplace. They just crashed it and didn't left it because it wasn't a big deal. And then they sent a missile on the same path, knowing that it was basically an open gap in it. And they are apparently able to target places in um, Belarus if Belarus enters the war or tries to help. Yeah, them. well, they sent they sent they sent they have sent two drones uh, into Belarus. Both of them cheekily flew over and then landed on the dish of these kind of AWACS looking surveillance planes that, that, that are parked right. in Belarus, these Russian uh, AWACS style. And they just flew in, landed, sat there, flew off. Just showing their their vulnerability. You're right. There's a lot of stuff that's happening internally within Russia that is very interesting, Uh, not least of what's the explosion you're talking about. There was an explosion at a major munitions uh, factory, one of the largest Russian munitions factories. And then we talk a lot about Ukraine running low on munitions. So are the Russians. That's a bad, bad thing for them. There's talk of... There's a very weird thing that happened just across the border in a, a Russian town called Bryansk, where apparently a anti-Putin pro, you know, like Russian independence unit crossed from Ukraine into Russia and held this right. kind of like new Russia flag. There's some a lot of weird stuff going on about that uh, because there's some extremist connections. There's talk that maybe that civilians were killed. That's a little bit murky, and I don't want to go into deep right. detail about it. And um, it's hard to but tell a lot of stuff internally within Russia. With yeah, Russia. there's yeah, talk it might have been a false that. flag. That's right. Right. Yeah. The, so um, they killed civilians. Story, yeah, my, or, my there are story. civilians that may have died in that incident. Let me right, clarify. that are alleged to have been killed. Right. That's the hard part again because it's you know there's there's it's it's very opaque um, as far as the genuine details from yeah. there. Um, the state Duma, the Russian Duma advised private corporations, private business people to buy their own air defense systems for their factories with their own money. I after so after this or in relation to this drone coming in and this explosion, they have told these the big companies buy your own anti-missile defense systems. I, from where I don't know, because the the companies that are there are just as sanctioned as the government. So you know, I, I where are they getting Iran? Who knows? But they literally advised them to buy their own systems uh, last week. Um, this is uh, according to one of the deputies of the Russian Defense Ministry. Um, they are too busy protecting other object, other projects or areas to to you know protect businesses and, and the like so they said uh it, they advise businesses to buy air defense systems at their own expense to protect against ukrainian drones they are fairly they are a fairly inexpensive means of combating unmanned aerial vehicles that are every self-respecting corporation corporation can purchase and put on their facilities uh this propaganda media that they're handing out can you imagine I swear to God, if the United States or even the Ukrainians were just telling, "Hey, uh, you got a you got a bake shop, you got a Starbucks, you got a, you're going to need your own private missile defense system mounted on your roof," which, by the way, 
would make you look like a hidden military target. It would raise the chances of you being attacked. It's just uh, like I, that part I found amazing. So Kadyrov, I mean, you know, speedy healing. I hope he, I hope he lives a long life in a, in a prison cell uh, at the Hague or something like that. Um, there, um, there's more to cover. We have to take a break um, because we're nearing the happy ending and I want to get, uh, you know, into the next part because we have some questions. I have no doubt from the chat. I want to do that for the ending. We'll ask some questions in there. So we'll be back right after this with Philip Itner and Johnny Million and I'm Hal Sparks and it's the Hal Sparks Radio Program Mega Worldwide. I am happy, you are happy, let us be happy together, whether the weather is cloudy or sunny, I will always be a funny honey bunny, I am lucky, you are lucky, let us get lucky together, whether the weather is cloudy or breezy, I'll be there to say, hey, come on, let's take it easy, because isn't it nice to have the friends that you do, and isn't it nice that the sky is so blue, and isn't it nice to say I love you, chugga chugga choo choo, woo I am smiling, you are smiling, let us smile together, whether the weather is cloudy or stormy, I will still be there in the morning, I'll be right by your side in the morning, I'll make you breakfast in the morning, I hope that you like cereal. Yay! <laughs> <All right>. yeah. <laughs> yay, so, uh, Kate Yay, yes, lovely. Um, so we have questions from the chat, and I've been I've been barraging you with questions so uh, of my own, so let's get to All the All right, let's go for it. Million. All right, some of these are from last week as well. So I've got Daphne Farmer who super chatted because she wanted to congratulate you on your MSNBC spot and Mm -hmm. also said, can you ask about the decoy HIMARS and their importance right now in helping deplete Russian missiles? The the uh, there's uh, apparently some inflatable HIMARS. Yeah, if I'm if if I remember correctly, it's inflatable. Uh, there might be fiberglass, there's whatever one, it is. Yeah, they they, they, they I think there's yeah, I think there's there's a whole there's a whole program of of um, trying to fool them into shooting at stuff that isn't actually HIMARS. You know, yeah, absolutely, long history of that kind of stuff. Let's go for it. Awesome, Andrea. Our very own Andrea has a question. Um, does Phil work? I don't know if you can answer this. Does Phil work with the Ukraine's secret resistance at all? Are the journalists that are in hiding sharing what's really going on with the Russian people still operating? If he, uh, if, if she's referring to what's happening on the other side of. Uh, the military lines, like into Kherson. I have no direct contact with any of those guys. Uh, but you know, yeah, there's a whole bunch of those guys who are working. Um, Richard Ingalls did a really good report about that, uh, about how, uh, folks who were behind the lines in Kherson uh, did an awful lot of work to, to undermine the Russians. And look, there's no doubt in my mind, but that's happening all throughout occupied Ukraine. So. But I uh, no, I have no contact with them. There's uh, also, by the way, there are ongoing maps that if you look at them, they will show you not only the area seized by the uh, Russians or the Ukrainians and and where the ongoing fighting is, but you'll often see the pockets of resistance, the geographic areas where yes. Ukrainians inside the Donbass have regained a lot of territory. In the beginning, we saw it as like a little spot. It has spidered out in the northern part of the the land that connects Crimea to the mainland. Um, there's a lot more of it, which people find, you know, 
strategically very interesting. We'll see what that results in, but they think it's part of an idea that they could, you know, basically cut off Crimea from support in the north and that drawing people to Bakhmut might be the, the purpose might be to thin out that area above Crimea as far as war fighters. Okay, sure. what do you got, Johnny? Mm-hmm. I've got, oh, um, Mr. Spock wants to know, are there any discotheques still open in Kiev? Oh, my God, yes. Yeah, no, there's huge. Yeah, no, look, I mean, Kiev is uh, functioning pretty much at full capacity. Well, I say full, full capacity. It's it's functioning very well. Uh, nightclubs, bars, restaurants, all going on. Yeah. Nice. Mm-hmm. Connie Kelly asks, ask Philip what a group of young engineering students can do to help the war effort. Hmm. Young engineering students in, in America, uh, they can uh, they can help make uh, alternative mods for drones to help them drop munitions if they want. They can, hmm. uh, you know, draft up that kind of stuff. And uh, you know, although the Ukrainians are very good at it. Uh, engineering is, is a really, it's a very popular, uh, area of study here in, in Ukraine. Um, it's a really, it's a good question. That's just off the top of my head. I would say, you know, any kind of thing that they can drum up to help people, uh, you know, uh, Put things together to jerry rig things so that that the you know they can more effectively transport items more effectively if you don't want to do active fighting or you know want to help you know drop munitions on 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 Russians which I have no problem with but if you you know that's that's a decision every individual needs to make right. but you know uh, make uh, you know make up draw plans for how to uh, you know uh, jerry rig uh, uh, kit to put on the vehicles to carry more supplies or to evacuate mm-hmm. uh, to evacuate the wounded. Uh, I mean, there's 101 Ukrainian different and ideas. Plan, but. They could also learn Ukrainian, take like learn the language, and then plan to be part of the rebuild afterwards as engineers, because that'll certainly be necessary. 100%. 100%. Um, it, yeah. You know, Another great idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, let's let's keep going, Johnny. While we still have else? we've got Ed's three D Tech asks, um, how many Leopards and Bradleys have reached the Ukraine so far? No, we, yeah. uh, I would estimate it's probably in the high three digits. Well, I say high three digits. I would I'd say it's um, somewhere between one hundred and two hundred right now. Would would be my bet. Maybe a little under. Huh? It's not a massive amount, and they're not going to get. You know, the, the ultimately they're looking to get around three hundred, four hundred of them. Um, that's what they'd like to get their hands on. Uh, my bet is it's somewhere around the hundred, maybe give or take on either side. Um, but they're. I mean, that's that is pure speculation on my part because that is top top secret. They are not right. going to relieve, uh, reveal that number in, in, in any significant way. But also keep in mind that it's not just tanks. It's also the Bradleys that, do, that are going to be needed. And they're doing – they put out – they did put out some interesting training video of them doing combined arms training uh, using infantry fighting vehicles and, and uh, main battle tanks. And that's going to be a, a huge – 
uh, game changer for the Ukrainians. But the, the sheer numbers, uh, my guesstimate is around a hundred, um, uh, fudging on either side, but it's such a closely guarded secret. Yeah. Um, the, uh, by the way, um, France, I guess, agreed two days ago to yep. uh, transfer um, their Mirage fighters, their uh, fighter jets, to Ukraine as well. So the, mm-hmm. the concern about, like, we need jets and we need fighter planes, uh, they're getting some from France now as well as getting, you know, you know the, the, the Polish ones, the Soviet-made ones that they'd had before and those kind of planes. So that was an addition this week. Um, probably out of the Munich uh, gathering. And, like, what we're going to see is some of that stuff start rolling out, the decisions being made as they assess what they've got, what they can give, what they have. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Here's another one. Mary P. asks, uh, they really want to know what's going on with the nuclear plants in Ukraine. When you ask Philip Bittner about that, please. That's you. Mm. Well, the the, the biggest concern is Zaporizhia. That's... Zaporizhia is, is a huge concern also because uh, there's a there's a big issue with rivers uh, down near Kherson and in the Zaporizhia area because there's a whole bunch of tributaries that break off from the Dnipro River and they fl- and they flow into the into the Black Sea and um, there is concern that uh, the dam control of those tributaries, which is at a choke point at the Dnipro right outside of Kherson, um, that they might start mucking around with the, the dam controls it, as far as maybe even blowing up the dam. There's, there, there's been talk of that. Um, mm-hmm. That then would affect the power plants because they wouldn't be able to get the cyclical water that they need to do to, to cool the, the heating rods. And you might see a meltdown. But as far as, like, fighting around Zaporizhia, um, while that has happened in the past, while that is still a possibility, while the Russians are definitely, if there is a a Kherson offensive uh, that that involves Zaporizhia, which inevitably it will, um, they will use the Zaporizhia power plant as a base of operations for just that reason. Um, So, But nobody wants to see the Zaporizhia power plant blow up. The Russians don't want to see it, and of course the Ukrainians don't either. Because then you would have uh, radioactive waste going out into the Black Sea. And in addition to that, both sides want to have that power plant. It's intrinsic right. for power generation. For, for If the, the Russians conquer of, the it, they're going to need that. Up, yeah. Right. The threat of blowing it up is always just one of the, you know, the ways that Russia scares everyone. Yeah. So yeah. a lot of that has been about yeah. that. By the way, I, um, in, um, uh, and I don't know if I'll pronounce this right, in Ulyanovsk uh, in Russia, there was mm-hmm. a... They, where they build some of their bigger military planes or whatever, one of their newest, biggest bombers exploded in the hangar, yeah. Kill, yeah. killing, uh, apparently they said killing one person. I'm, I wouldn't doubt it was more, but whatever. Blew up the hangar itself and the testing facility around it. That, I mean, that's not, I mean, maybe sabotage is a possibility, but that, I think, feel like you have to chalk that up to Russians smoking too close to the flame again. Um, but, uh, you know, it's an ongoing issue. There's, you know, uh, like why, why complain about the size of your bulletproof vest when you keep shooting yourself in the leg, you know, is, the, is part of what's going on with Russia. And it's um, there have been a bunch of those, which makes it look hinky, 
been a bunch of planes blowing up and that, you know, so a couple of them have been hit by drones or a single drone, but from but civilian drones. The question is, you know, like, again, we're not getting full reports of all that stuff happening. What they do have is a bunch of men that they can throw at the meat grinder for a while until they run out. They're running out of ammo and their planes are blowing up and they're telling their own businesses to buy anti-aircraft and anti-drone machinery to protect themselves. As we walk towards this, and, and I want to remind everybody because we're coming up near the end of the show. Um, a, thanks, Philip, for being with us today. Really greatly appreciated. Um, follow him on Twitter, 1L, 2Ts, and Itner, Philip Itner, um, at Johnny Million for uh, Johnny Million, at Hal Sparks, if you want to follow that thing around. Um, we will be doing, um, he'll, Philip will be joining me uh, if, if he's available on Wednesday on my live stream mm-hmm. at Hal Sparks yep. Mega Worldwide. It's at, uh, you know, 10 a.m. Pacific time on Wednesday. If you want to listen in on that for our sort of midweek report. And as we lead up, there's going to be a lot of, you know, a lot of moving parts. There's a lot going on right now. There's literally a flood of news happening every single day. And uh, we want to keep you up to date as best we can. Johnny million. You're awesome. Uh, Everybody subscribe to Twitch. Follow twitch.tv slash it's Johnny million and subscribe, subscribe uh, to twitch.tv. I'll get hell in there sooner or later. That's right. We're going to make it happen. Um, Appreciate you guys. Take care of yourself and take care of somebody else because we're right at the tail end of the show. Thanks so much.